Hey guys, welcome to the Hard Part Podcast. Um, our guest today, Peter Kolb, is coming on to teach us a little bit about F1 racing. Um, and don't forget, uh, the pod is brought to you by SeatGeek. If you are planning on going to an F1 race or a concert or uh, the symphony, whatever you're going to, check out the SeatGeek app. And remember to use my code, the Hard Part, all caps. And you will get $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's get to it. Yeah, I guess I'll start with saying, like, I first started getting into it probably in, like, 2017, watching a few races then in 2018, but probably, like, really, like, regularly watching every race in 2019. And I think right off the bat, the thing I enjoyed the most about it was just how much strategy goes into just every decision that's being made. and that's not even race day. That's so much stuff that's happening behind the scenes. And the really cool thing is the Netflix show, you know, Drive to Survive. That's really brought so much of that to light for just the, you know, casual viewer. And the way that they've structured that show is it, it's really brought everybody like right up to speed with the ongoings of, both, you know, on season and off season, everything that's going on behind the scenes. So I guess I would highly recommend anyone who's interested in Formula One to start watching that because it's really well done. And uh, I I would say it's going to be more entertaining than you would really expect it to be. And I've I've heard really good things about that show. We're on what, like season three now? Uh, I think it's four that just came out. Oh, f- four. Yeah, so I, I uh, so would it be beneficial to start from the beginning? Is it, it's like a, like a, the timeline of the show goes with what's actually happening? It does. <clears throat> it follows them throughout the whole season. And, you know, that I think the way it stands right now, there's 21 or 22 races. I can't remember exactly. So there's not, you know, an episode for every race, but, you know, you, you do get the highlights. And I would say you, you could start with season four if you just wanted to kind of bring yourself up to speed to, you know, be able to understand more what's happening this season. Um, okay. Having said that, we're, we're one race into the season already. Um, but if you went back and watched the other seasons, you'd definitely kind of understand some of the movements that have happened because drivers are switching teams a lot. Um, drivers are kind of retiring drivers are new drivers are coming in. So there's a lot of stuff that you can kind of, um, see the groundwork of that, you know, has been built into the teams that you'll see today. And it'll make more sense to, I guess, um, with like the rivalries and, you know, who switched teams to who this year and all that stuff. So, well, and so, obviously, like the sh- I 
Netflix show is driving a lot more like American fans to F1 because oh, absolutely. I, I'm used to not really hearing a ton about it. Like I know that you and I have talked about it before and you kind of like, and on like the, you know, like the stuff that even if I'm not, not that I'm not interested in it, but I don't follow it actively. So even like yeah. even keeping me up to with like things that I would be interested in, um, mm-hmm. on, on Twitter, like my timeline who used to just all be like basically football and basketball, all those same people are all talking about F1. Like Saturday morning is dominated by F1 and, you know, beyond that. And um, so one thing I saw on there that I was going to ask you about um, was I saw a, like a scoreboard for the teams basically after the first race. And mm-hmm. so I was wondering if you could explain how, like a, how a team works. Like, is that, is yeah. there a limited number of drivers per team or because it seems like if the goal was to be at the top of that leaderboard, you just like pack, pack the race with as many drivers as you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I guess talking about the leaderboard, it could start there. So there's, there's two different championships each year. There's a driver championship and then there's the constructor championship and the constructor championship is the, you know, the title sponsor for the team. Um, and each team has two drivers. So uh, 10 teams, 20 drivers in all. And each one of those drivers individually scored points gets added up to the team total. And at the end of each season, uh, you know, you'll have your, your driver um, champion announced and then your team championship announced. And I guess one of the things that's, super interesting. And, uh, last year, I guess it started, um, in addition to the regular races, which, you know, just like any other professional racing, uh, sport, you know, points are attributed to the, you know, most going to the person who won the race. And, um, once you're below 10th position, uh, you're no longer in the points as they say. Um, and, okay. um, one of the cool things that they've added, last year are these sprint races, which I can't remember exactly if they take the place of qualifying or not. I think they do because it's a shorter race that takes place on Saturday. Uh, All races happen on Sunday and, you know, maybe it's 20 laps or something like that, maybe even less than that. Um, And typically what would happen on Saturdays, there's a qualifying, whoever qualifies first is first on the starting grid, so on and so forth. But what they've kind of done is they've replaced it with these sprint races, which you will get points for, not as much as a regular race, but they've kind of just really pushed to create this entire week-long or weekend-long event for the fans where it's not just a race on Sunday anymore. Like, people want to see practice. People want to see qualifying. People want to see these sprint races. So the fact that they're starting to offer these points on not even just race day anymore – that started to make it more exciting. And then. So the, I really sorry, let me, let me oh, ask yeah, a yeah. question real quick. The so <clears throat> race. So if, let's say, cause I, I tuned in on Saturday morning cause I had it in my head that the races were Saturday morning for some reason. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Nick and I watched qualifying on nice. last Saturday 
And um, I, I don't know if it's the, the way they covered it or whatever, but it like, one, it didn't seem like it wasn't that exciting for me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then two, like everybody staggered so they're like not actually racing against each other. They're racing against the time, which I understand. Right. And, and that part of it was exciting, but I didn't know any of the racers. So it didn't really like mean anything to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this guy finished second. I'm like, well, I don't know if he or this is his first race. So <laughs> it's yeah. tough when I'm like first getting into it. But, but also it seemed like in the, and, and like I said, I'm, they were showing their speed, obviously, on the on the screen. So it's not like they were going slow. But the way that they covered the qualifying made it seem like it was just like a Sunday drive. Everyone was very chill. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe because I'm used to, like, other racing. Like, not that I watch NASCAR <laughs> racing, but because... I guess I don't watch NASCAR qualifying for sure, but you know, when you see a NASCAR race, it's like they all go the way they cover the sport. It's like the cameras on the, it's getting run over by the and stuff or right. like, a, um, like a dirt race. You hear the cars or something, but it just seemed like everything was very calm and chill, even though they were going, you know, 200 miles an hour. Yeah. It just yeah, it, it's, it, um, it made the it made the speeds underwhelming. Very blase. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um and like you know, you, you mentioned not really knowing who to look at and what to expect from each driver, and I wanted to talk about that for a second because this year, the start of the season, there's been a, a big um revamp of the rules of Formula One. Um everything from the aerodynamics of the car and what's allowed and what's not allowed down to the temperature of the tire blankets that they use uh, being lowered. And we saw a lot of the consequence of that um, in this most recent race. Um, They use these blankets to just warm up the tires so that there's less driving needed from the driver uh, to warm the tires up and get to their like maximum effectiveness and with them lowering the temperature of that right after a pit, which you'll see on average one to two times a race, sometimes three, um, the drivers are really having to take it easy and they can't just leave the pits and just push the thing like they were right before they came in. It's kind of being forced to be this gradual thing, which, you know, is the driving force of what the FIA, the governing body of the F1, um, have done to really promote um, competitiveness this season and create a more exciting race for the fans. I mean, we saw way more overtakes in this most recent race than I remember seeing uh, races last year. Um, because of that change yeah, in the pit or for the, uh, not just the pit, but the, the aerodynamics of the car were revamped to allow for, I guess you could say like a greater slipstream um, so that you saw a lot of tit for tat back and forth. One guy would pass one guy and then on the very next turn, you know, he'd be able to pass him back and take his position back because of these aerodynamic changes to the cars. And there's been a whole slew of those types of changes this, this season. So getting back to what you were saying, 
the guy who won the race, uh, sorry, the driver championship last year, Max Verstappen, um, you know, he didn't even finish this year. Uh, sorry, this, uh, this race last Sunday due to a, uh, an engine issue, both Red Bull, uh, racing cars, um, neither of them finished and they were on the third to last. And I think on the last lap, uh, oh. they both, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite the, uh, the sour, uh, end to a, a race for them. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's really leveled the playing field so far. Um, Ferrari who has struggled for the past three years due to some controversy of their own, um, involving, you know, like cheating allegations and stuff oh, like wow. that. Um, they finished. Is there a lot of first... that in this? Uh, I don't know too much of the intricacies on, on that and exactly what they were accused of. I think there was some illegal tuning of the car or something like that, uh, mm. with fuel. Um, but you know, it was very interesting to see them finish first and second in this last race. Um, and uh, Mercedes was, was still up there too. They're kind of the um, either you love them or you hate them because they're the, you know, the Tom Brady of uh, F1. They're always oh, up there okay. winning. All right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting. Cause like I said, it's, it's almost like a level playing field at the start of the season. They do testing and stuff like that uh, preseason to try and get a feel for the cars, but um, no one would have expected Haas, who has typically finished last uh, the last two or three seasons. Um, well, I take that back. I think Williams has been last two, but um, they're number three in the constructor championship already with their finish because they really invested a lot of time in you know testing and, and um, configuring their cars. And just to kind of get like a, an, 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 like I said, I don't, I don't watch this yet, but I, I am really interested in getting into it Yeah. for like the difference between like Haas or Williams and uh, Mercedes. Like, are we talking like Haas or like, like how close is the, um, is the field? Um. Prior to this season, yeah, Haas would have been right there at, at the bottom next to Williams. Um, as uh, their team principal described themselves in season one of Drive to Survive, everyone thought they were a bunch of fucking wankers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, and but like a it, lot of in, that. In the standings, like at the end, is it like, like are they a... I'm just trying to like compare it to other sports where like, you know, like if you're like the, the best team in football finishes 13 and three and the, mm-hmm. the worst team is two and, you know, or I guess that doesn't make any sense anymore because they play 17 games, but you know what I'm saying? Like how, yeah, how far I'll, apart. I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, one of Haas's drivers last year, Nikita Mazepin, who's got enough controversy of his own. He's actually not even the driver anymore because uh, his father, who was the uh, title investor in the, uh, or one of the biggest sponsors of the team, I should say, um, is one of the largest fertilizer and farming, I think, um, companies in Russia. So, oh. you know, there's, yeah. So he's no longer, neither of them are with the team. Um, but there was a lot of 
speculation that, you know, his, his father coming in as a sponsor kind of got him that seat at that team. And wow. he had more um, spinouts on track than finishes uh, oh, last year. I think, I don't think, yeah, I don't think he finished uh, maybe 10% of the races last year. So, you know, Haas was really, really struggling. Um, I'm not even sure if they had a single point awarded to them last oh, year. Wow. I'd have to go back okay. and look. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so that bad. All right. Um, oh, and I'm sorry, not to go all the way back, but I, I spoke for like five minutes and didn't ask you the question I wanted to ask you last time. So, the, you said the the qualifying and then they're introducing the sprint races on Saturday. Are those mm-hmm. separate events or are they replacing the qualifying with the sprint race? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that qualifying is now determined by that sprint race. So the order that okay. you finish, uh, the sprint race will be your starting order for the um, Sunday race. Um, I'm not That's 100% cool. on that. But yeah, it's it's kind of, like I said, it's, they want to turn the whole weekend into a spectator event and not just race day. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. And, and then the, one other thing. Oh, go ahead. For the sprint race. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound like it's like a, um, one of those Russian dolls, but when, <laughs> who, how do they determine how you start <laughs> the sprint race? <laughs> you got me there. That, that might be one of the, uh, one of the practice sessions or something like that. Maybe they're, they use one of those as a qualifying for the sprint. I'm not a hundred percent. So there's still that. a qualifying for it, but it's just uh, something else. It's not like a full. Right. Okay. Yeah. But no, I was going to say there's a, one other really fun, I think, um, way to get points and you see it, um, utilized by some teams who maybe know like, I'm not in the points, you know, I'm going to finish at least 11th and there's no chance of me winning any points. Um, the, uh, the driver with the fastest lap of the race is awarded one extra point. And, oh, okay. um, so you'll see some guys, you know, with two, three laps left to go, they'll go in and get the softest tire, uh, that they have set up for that race, which is just, you know, known to be the most aggressive and the, the quickest tire. And they'll go all out those last three laps, racing purely the clock and, you know, no one else to, yeah. uh, well, that's to cool. get that that's, one point. That's kind of a cool way to, like, because like you said, if you're 11th or below, it's like, well, I should just stop <laughs> if I'm not going <laughs> to. You know right. what I mean? Like, especially in such a dangerous sport, it's like, you know, what, yeah. what are we doing here? So, well, yeah. that's cool. That's the cool way to keep everybody um like involved and active you know in last place or not a lot of other sports have issues with that where you know if you're not going to be the top team it's actually a benefit to be the bottom team you don't want to be in the middle right yep that's cool but yeah there's uh there's been some pretty cool developments today um you know with netflix really popularizing the sport even more in the U S and growing the U S attention. You know, we have the, the one race that's been there for the past, I think nine or 10 years now in Austin at circuit of the Americas. Um, this year they've just included Miami and 
that'll be going around the new uh, football stadium there, uh, kind of a more street course. Um, and then just announced today, I think it's uh, for the 2023 season, uh, Vegas will be um, on the calendar next year, which is pretty crazy. They've said they want the, uh, the race to take place on and around the strip, which will be super exciting. And, that's pretty um, awesome. That's, yeah. only, that's only four hours for me. Exactly, yeah. Well, you say that, and I've lived in Texas for how many years now, and, and even Austin and still not made it to a race there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just getting more and more popular, and almost the, their ambitions that they've stated for what they want to do for this sport um, is, I think I mentioned it's up to 21 or 22 races a season. They want to get it up to 30, and I just don't see how that can happen and the teams get a break at all throughout the year. Because um, the way it, you know what, it's it was the middle of March when we had the first race in Bahrain, and mm-hmm. the last race is scheduled to be in uh, Abu Dhabi and I think, November. Oh, so okay, so that's like I mean, no the time off. Yeah, I mean they get a little bit of a summer break, but the way that they're scheduling these things, the summer break is going to turn into the off season. <laughs> yeah. So they all right. So obviously they don't race every week, right? No, so there's uh, it's obviously with it being an international worldwide sport, and I think uh, you know, save for. Antarctica and Africa, those are the only two continents they don't race on. Um, they don't race in Africa? They don't, no. And I think that's another one of their goals. Um, I'm not sure where. I would imagine Seems someplace odd. like Egypt or, you know, um, some country like that. But um, they, uh, you'll see back to back weekends in cities that are, you know, just geographically close. Okay. Do they try um, like to last... group them like that or do they, is it just however it Some, comes out? Sometimes, um, you know, with COVID happening uh, the past two years, there were a lot of races that didn't happen because of countries being shut down. Right. Uh, you know, S- Singapore, Japan, um, Canada, you know, they didn't have their normal races there. Um, but in order to, make up for that, you know, they had races at the same track uh, or same circuit, but, um, you know, going in either different directions or modifying the track. So, you know, those would be back to back. I think they did that in, uh, I think they even did that in Bahrain last year too. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of um, circuits coming back this year that we haven't seen for a while. Uh, Singapore is always really exciting because it's a street course. It's at night. And, um, you know, that's always really exciting. We haven't seen Japan or Canada for a couple of years now. So nice. both of those are really looking forward to. And that's, did you say that's next week? Uh, no, next week is, um, let's see, Saudi Arabia. Okay. Um, it's re- and, relatively close. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then uh, let's see, going forward, we've got Australia, Italy, and then Miami. That's in May. Okay. Um, Spain, Monaco, Azerbaijan, Canada, 
Uh, Great Britain at Silverstone, which is always a really big race for Lewis Hamilton because, you know, it's his, his home track there. Oh, okay. Um, Austria, France, Hungary, Belgium, the Netherlands, Italy, Singapore, Japan. Back to the U.S. for Austin, Mexico City, Brazil. And then uh, last race is always in uh, Abu Dhabi. Is that just tradition or? Uh, I guess that's just the way it's been the past few years. I don't think there's anything really stipulating that, but it's, it's an exciting track. And um, anybody who's interested in Formula One, is, uh, don't start by watching the last race of last season because it's probably the most exciting race that there's been. And, oh. you know, <laughs> everything else will be a letdown. <laughs> yeah, decades of Formula One. It was the equivalent of, you know, team down three games in the world series and they come back four with a grand slam when they're down three in the bottom of the ninth, you know, it's just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was, yeah. Like I was screaming at the TV, <laughs> <laughs> but without a, it, it's still worthwhile watching and it's not old enough where it's not even worth talking about to, to possibly spoil it for somebody if they're that interested to, to watch it. But, it's, okay. it's probably the most entertaining bit of racing that there's been in a long, long time. Nice. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe we'll have to check that out. So let's see here. So I'm sorry, you just told me next week it's in Saudi Arabia. That's right. And um, so who's, who's in the lead now? So uh, both Ferrari uh, drivers finished first and second. So um, it was Charles Leclerc uh, who finished first. So he's going to be the leader going into week two. Um, I believe as far as the constructor goes, it's Ferrari, Mercedes, and then Haas, I think, um, for the constructor championship. And uh, everyone's, you know, really eager to see um, is Red Bull going to get their engine problems fixed and it, interesting enough, it's not just limited to Red Bull. Um, one of the other things that happens in Formula One, in addition to teams and, uh, you know, with the constructors and then the drivers, um, there's only a finite number of engine suppliers. Um, so not every team is expected to develop and use their own engine. Um, Mercedes, they supply their engines to Williams. Um, trying to think who else uses Mercedes uh, Ferrari. They're another engine manufacturer. McLaren's another engine manufacturer. Um, recently within the past couple seasons, Red Bull relied on Honda to develop their engines. And that isn't something Honda's done for a while. And Honda expressed their entrance to leave formula one after the end of last mm-hmm. season. So, what has happened is um, Red Bull, I think, pretty much poached everyone from Honda <laughs> and made their own engine um, <laughs> manufacturing team, which uh, okay. Red Bull has a secondary team, which used to be called Toro Rosso, which is, you know, Red Bull in Red Bull. Spanish <laughs> or Italian. <laughs> and um, it's now known as uh, Alphatari, which is their uh, clothing sponsor. Um, but oh, it's kind okay. of the F1 development team, you could say. 
And oh, okay. they yeah. also had a major engine failure. So three of the four Red Bull powered cars did not make it through the end of the race. <laughs> so Yikes. everyone's super interested to see, are, are they going to get this figured out in time? Yeah. Will they use all in all in the next race or not? All in all. Shout out to the true cars fans. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so then we'll look forward to the next race in Saudi Arabia, which is on Sunday, not Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But so, watch qualifying. Um, I, I promise you it's, it's interesting enough because there are races where qualifying is everything. You look at, Monaco and there's there's very few passing opportunities it's through the streets of a really old city which are narrow and um if you qualify first you know, I mean you have a very good shot you know pending any technical issues to you know finish the race in that same spot okay all right cool so it, so it definitely depends on on the track though for like how important qualifying is yeah okay that you know sense. and one more thing I'll add that, uh, you know, has been developed uh, with not recently, but still makes the racing that much more exciting is the rear spoiler of the cars. Um, after the two active laps, whether it's the start of the race or recovering from a, a restart, um, there's a system called DRS that's enabled and it's, uh, stands for the drag reduction system and the spoiler on the rear car in certain sections of the track when you're within one second of the driver in front of you, you're able to open up that spoiler and gain, I think they say it's another 10 to 15 miles per hour and just, you know, Jesus. have those close passing opportunities. And um, you won't That's see that awesome. in places like Monaco, which, you know, is the big driving force as to why qualifying is everything on those types of races. Yeah. I think that's kind of what makes it more exciting than other types of, of racing is that, every every week it's going to be a, a totally different track and it's yeah. not you know even though like with nascar they go to even if they go to 100 different cities it's still the same track <laughs> you yeah know? It is. like i'm sure each one has like a you know quirks but like they're it, that's basically like an accident waiting to happen yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you don't want that no, I think that's cool. I think that that makes it more exciting um, that you're not. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I just understand how how people watch NASCAR. Like some of the stuff seems like like give me the twenty seconds of highlights. I'm not going to sit there and watch for hours. Yeah, Where, when's um, the wreck happening? You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. So how? Oh, I don't even know how a uh, race is. Um. A lot of that depends on the, the length of the circuit itself. Okay. Um, so how about I would in say time, you, then? Uh, well, a lot of that <laughs> depends on if anybody puts it into a wall or not. But, you know, oh, if there's okay. no cautions, <laughs> if there's you know, nothing that's going to slow the race down, um, races are typically anywhere from, I think, high 50 to low 70s in laps. And then that would translate to an hour and a half to two hours without any restarts or cautions that just slow the race down okay all right that's yeah. that's reasonable because that's that's like the same you know time that you would watch like a basketball game yeah and it's way you know, less one than of the things base, that... like half the time of a baseball game <laughs> yeah but that's one of the things that you know it, it has to compete with the fact that uh you know it's an international sport so the race times 
start times are not always convenient for, you know, where you're living and trying to watch the race. And it's on a Sunday, which, you know, later in the year when that competes with football, that's, you know, it's a tough, uh, tough decision for a lot of people, what they want to watch. Right. Yeah. Like you said, especially where it is. Cause like when I was watching qualifying, I, I think, it, I mean, it was early in the morning, not too early, but you know, maybe for a regular person, <laughs> somebody without kids, it was kind of early, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, we were watching, and I was like, oh, this is, like, midway, th- you know, the qualifying, and it was, whatever, 7.15 in the morning, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a bad time, I guess, You're, like you said, it's going to change every week, so. Right. Well, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, I, I think I'm going to have to start watching the, uh, the Netflix show, um, I'll probably just start with the one for this year to, like, catch up, and then go back, like, in the off-season, maybe. Um, yeah. Maybe, um, maybe we'll start doing this either weekly or every other week to kind of recap what's going on in F1. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on to kind of give me the basics. That way I know <laughs> what I'm looking when I'm yeah. watching the race on Saturday. Or, I mean, Sunday. Jeez. Sunday. Jeez. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but watch Saturday, too. <laughs> I'd like to watch that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rick. <laughs> <laughs>